You're listening to Dodge Movie Podcast. Your hosts are Christy and Mike Dodge, the founders of Dodge Media Productions. We produce films and podcasts, so this is a podcast about films. Join them as they share their passion for filmmaking. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Dodge Movie Podcast. This is episode 91. We are going to be talking about I Love You, Man, the 2009 film directed by John Hamburg. We know him from Why Him and Little Fockers, and he also wrote it. It stars Paul Rudd, Jason Segel, Rashida Jones, Jamie Presley, John Favreau, Jane Curtin, J.K. Simmons, Andy Samberg, Rob Hubel, Aziz Ansari, Nick Kroll, Joe Lotruglio, and Thomas Lennon, a packed cast. Rather. The DP is Lawrence Shirt. We know him from Joker, Hangover, Garden State, Godzilla. A couple of the filming locations is LA, Venice Beach, Hollywood, a very LA film. This oh, is. absolutely. The synopsis for this film is Friendless Peter Clavin goes on a series of mandates to find a best man for his wedding. But when his instabond with his new BFF puts a strain on the, his relationship with his fiance, and the trio learn to live happily ever after. That's the synopsis? That's the synopsis. That seems like the treatment. Like, wow, that was a lot of words. <laughs> Courtesy of IMDb. Got two taglines for you. All right, lay them on me. Okay. Are you man enough to say it? Okay, okay. He needed a best man. He got the worst. Oh, yeah, that I like it. way better. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Agreed, agreed. Why don't you just kick us off with the pickup line? So my plan is to create this cluster of live-work lofts all along the perimeters here. Does not support my theory. It does not. Yeah. It's he's an architect, is that right? He's or? a real estate agent guy. Oh, okay. Like not really a developer, more just like a real estate agent where he sells things. So the acting we talked about this packed cast. Okay, Paul Rudd is fabulous at acting like a dork. Oh, I have a note here. <laughs> Rudd does capitalized awkward dork really well. He does. This may be the most painful dork he, he he has done. It was hard to watch sometimes. But like you said, like he's kind of charming and lovable. Oh, he's handsome, but he's charming. Yeah. And lovable. Yes. You're right. Yes. But he does dork so well. Yes. And you made a mention to, as audiences know, one of my favorite Christmas movies for Christmases. John Favreau is good at being a jerk. He kind of is, or at least at this phase. So I think at this point, maybe he was just super hungry. Yeah. And once he met Roy Choi, he, 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 he was a little happier. happier. Yes. Yeah. His yeah. character in Chef. Although, no, he's kind of a jerk in Chef. Yeah, but I think he's phasing down yeah. from the jerkishness, maybe. <laughs> but he's really, he's very, I'm sure he had fun being oh, this character. Yeah. Cause, yeah. And, and I have heard that a lot of the people who play a jerk are actually super, super nice. It's just, yeah, it's kind of like they're saving it up. Yeah. And then, but, okay. I've been thinking about this a lot since we watched this film. Sure. Because I'm not hearing it when I was doing research in different people who are interviewing Jason Siegel and Paul Rudd and the director is I was suspicious of Jason Siegel's character almost from like, you know, scene one. OK, sure. I kept waiting for the shoe to drop and for him to do something nefarious. Right. That was intentional on the part of the filmmakers. Right. But he never spoke of it. So I felt like I was off in my. No, that's all set up for when he borrows $8,000 from 
Peter. Right. But then what's Because the audience were supposed to think He's gonna he's, scam him. Yeah, he's scamming him. And then when he says, you know, can't get it back, blah, blah, blah. But then it turns out he used it to help Peter. That's why that turn is so powerful because we thought that this guy was going to take his money because we have also established the filmmaker did Hamburg. Good job. That the character of Sydney played by Peter or Jason Siegel is pretty much got nothing going on in the sense of a day to day operation. He doesn't hold down a real job. As far as we can see, he lives in this hovel. So why would he be able to cover an $8,000 check? Okay. Now plot hole why would he borrow the money from Peter if he was that well off? Wouldn't he just get the the billboards and say, Peter, That's this is my gift to you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And so if I understand what you're saying, if this film was made today, he would be in Bitcoin. <laughs> yes. And he needed him to front him the money and then he hit it big with some Bitcoin. And so he was able to pay it back. Kind of, yeah. He probably would have, instead of the billboards, got a non-fungible token or something <laughs> ridiculous like that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I just was, and, and like even leading up to it, because I feel like we've seen movies where, and I've seen it with both men and women, there's a couple, an outside person will be jealous of that relationship. Sure. And will be breaking it up out of spite because they don't have that. And oh, so wow. I, so like the Rush concert. Like, was that purposeful? Like when 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 Sydney invites Peter to the Rush concert and Peter is torn and he says, can I bring Zoe, Zoe, his his fiance? Does Sydney say yes? Because it's like, yeah, let her see how good we are together. You know, I am going to be very gender biased here and say that that's a lady talking to think that he would have that much of a care about about Peter's relationship. No, he doesn't care about Peter's relationship. That's Peter's business. Okay, you would never let me say it, a comment like that. <laughs> no, I said I was being very gender biased. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm I, thinking. I t as you said that, I see exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Right? But I never thought of that. So that's why I was thinking, is that a boy-girl thing? With boy relationships, and look, I'm just trying to describe what I'm saying. I'm not saying ladies are in any way inferior, but with male relationships, is it like, is that less of a problem when one of them gets a girlfriend and then the other way around? Because when you said that, I could totally see how well, a person- Well, Ackerman's character in- Exactly, perfectly. 28 Dresses. 27 Dresses, okay. but 28 Dresses <laughs> was a sequel. <laughs> oh my gosh, maybe I need to write 28 Dresses. That's awesome. <laughs> And are you going to set it in a rehab? <laughs> oh, that'd be great. That's a good setup. <laughs> I was thinking I was going to ask Marston how he felt about cross-dressing. But so I totally see where you're going. And it's funny because to me, it's like the, the picture where w one of them is a lady looking one direction and then the other is the lady looking the other direction. It's like the matter of, of how you viewed that scene. That was fascinating that you said that. Because to me, I was thinking... He wanted to go, and so he invited her. So he was Peter was thinking best of both worlds, right. and then it backfired on him yeah. because she wasn't really into Rush, and Sydney was. So they were divibing, and she felt like excluded. But you're you viewed it from the standpoint of Sydney's like, okay, yeah, come Let and see what I goes. got. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, what I have with him that you'll never have. 
<laughs> yeah, and and the and when you say that, you're yeah. right. Malin Ackerman's character totally would have done that. Yeah. So it's perfectly believable. But isn't that interesting that you and I both just had different approaches to the exact same material? Okay, quick aside. Sure. The way that they behaved at the Rush concert is that Rush induced, or is that how dudes? enjoy a concert that is not how dudes enjoy a concert in my experience <laughs> so but rush is a great band so maybe it's rush they were just so into it oh uh, yeah that's i that's mean that's a great scene and there's an extended scene on um, oh it gets even more bizarre <laughs> right and and maybe you have the trivia on this but i thought i had read at one point or seen an interview or something where originally they were going to just do it without kind of like Rush being actually involved. But then they got more involved in the project when they found out about it, which makes total sense. And, and okay, I, I, I have to cop that I have bonded with a bro over Rush. So to me, this is entirely realistic. Plausible. Yeah, this is like based on a true story. <laughs> Your story. <laughs> <laughs> so I love how the movie opens up and after he proposes he's talking to all the women at work. Yeah. And that was great because they showed that he, that's a great way to show no, don't tell yeah. that he only has women friends. Yes. He doesn't and have any dude friends. He reminded me of somebody I know quite well. Mm. Yeah. I wonder who that'd be. <laughs> and then after, shortly after that, he says, because like even, because somebody said something about he needed to get some friends or whatever. And then at one point he was like, I've really got to get some friends. <laughs> but that, that is an interesting thing because that the setup, a wedding is a point where your lack of friends would be publicly displayed. Yes. Yes. You have all of her brothers and boy yeah. cousins. And <laughs> yeah. And I, I did love the line where Zoe sees the, the groom and the groomsman coming. She's like, that has to be the weirdest collection of groomsmen ever. <laughs> it is. Incomplete with Lou Ferrigno. Lou Ferrigno, which actually is not weird, but that would be kind of cool. Yeah. Gotta say. I, the director in an interview, they said it was always written for him or was it, you know, kind of just right. different. And he says, no, it was always written for Lou Ferrigno. And so they just got lucky enough that he agreed to do it. And he said, but that's like life in Hollywood is sometimes you're picking up the dry cleaning and oh, wow. Lou Ferrigno walks in and he's picking up his dry cleaning. You know, right. like that's just some stuff that happens sure, in L.A. Sure. is yeah. you sometimes come upon a celebrity. We had the question of the billboards or I had the thought I don't know if I said it out loud so I looked it up because I I think I thought you said it out loud would would $8,000 cover as many billboards as there were Yeah, I said it out loud. I don't think it would. No. One billboard and I think I looked back at 2008 would have cost between 15,000 and 35,000. So even if on the low end <laughs> we said 15 no. Yeah. Which is an interesting thing because did they lowball that number because it would seem like a ridiculous ask if he said, can I have $120,000? I think you're right. However, there was a line of dialogue later where he tells Zoe he can't do his thing because he gave the money to Peter and I th or to Sydney and I thought... Eight grand is going to make a difference in a real estate deal? Curious. I would love to talk to Mr. Hamburg and see what his thinking was about that number. Especially, I believe that it was kind of depicted that it was down Sunset Strip, which <laughs> my viewing of Selling Sunset says that that is prime property for billboards in L.A. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> 
one time when Sydney was on the phone to one of his friends asking if they would do stuff because Peter had kind of put him on pause a little bit. And he says, what do you mean the kids think I'm creepy? Because <laughs> he was like, hey, you want to do something? And the person right. on the other end obviously said something and then he replied with that. I thought that was that is a good. funny line. Yeah. This is interesting because this has mildly come up in our relationship. But I I liked how he, John Hamburg, spoke to the hypocrisy of how females share intimate details. Oh, yeah, that was great. And and then when he does it, when Peter shares something about their sex life, right. she is morally offended. Now, right. I haven't gotten morally offended at what you share, but we've talked about the level of sharing that happens between males and females. Right. And Sydney even talks about that. He says something like, it's something we think about on a second to second basis. Why shouldn't we talk about this? Right. And I try to be sex positive. Yeah. Uh, it's just part of being a human. But I think every single one of my gent friends are really nervous if I talk about right, anything. Said, so the other night, <laughs> they would just be like, whoa, 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 whoa. Right. Which is weird because if I was to say, look at the hooters on that one, that wouldn't be an issue. But if I was like, oh, when you touch your wife's hooters, here's how. Oof, wow. Yeah. That was that's a hard stop. Fascinating. Isn't it, though? Yeah. I think Dr. Ruth Westheimer should get involved or Dr. Laura Berman. Right? Yes. There's something to the name. She's welcome to call into the show, by the way, Dr. Laura Berman. Yes. Big fans. We are. What did you think about at the end when she calls up Sydney? We don't know this at the time, but and to invite him to the wedding. Did that seem plausible based on what had happened up to that point? Yes, I think so. I think she recognized that Sydney was Peter's bestest, bestest friend and wanted him there. Right. I, I bought that. So maybe see. OK, so we have an episode that Mike won't let me put out. <laughs> it's on a film called Paddleton. And I feel like the relationship that is in Paddleton between those two characters more exemplify a bromance. And I I never really got until the very end, I suppose, that Sydney was a good friend. Like I kept I would just kept being suspicious that he was going <laughs> to wreck it for Peter. That's interesting. So I'm going to insert here the reason, listeners, <laughs> that I'm hesitant to put out Paddleton is it is the first thing we ever recorded. And I'm a little concerned it's rough. It's kind of like when they well, show you. I need to re-record it because I love that movie. As I was saying. <laughs> it's kind of like when they show the footage of Mark Hamill with a broom handle on a green screen waving it around before they add all the cool special effects. I'm a little concerned. So here's the thing. Maybe I'll listen to it and see what it sounds like. And, and but or do we put it out just as literally like that behind the scenes? We put it up on, on YouTube as, you know, early pilot for for the Dodge Movie Podcast. Maybe we okay. hold on to it and it's our first Patreon gift or something. But I do want to get back to what you had said about it being a more accurate portrayal. I, I don't think so, actually. I think they both are accurate. I think it depends on the individuals involved. Right. So did you, okay, did you buy the whole movie before the wedding that they were good friends? Oh, absolutely. Who that else would were, you go jam to rush with but a good friend? Both, well, in my mind, Peter was in it for that reason. 
But Sidney was doing it so that he could bond. So, you know, like he was grooming him. <laughs> and so here's the thing. So I know I watched a totally different movie. than You, you did. But <laughs> Sidney isn't grooming him because for the first like half of the movie, he's like, all right, whatever, Peter. See you later. Peter tries to give him nicknames. I get he was doing that game. <laughs> Jeez. Jeez Louise. Okay. Yeah, I get myself in trouble. So I won't speak about the gender differences. But uh, well, yeah. except that. No, I guess not. I was like in another film was Jason Siegel's character doing that. And am I am I morphing? He wasn't really like that. I'm forgetting Sarah Marshall because he was like right. the dopey rube that. Right. I was just trying to think if there is. He wasn't that way in the Muppet film. I don't know. Don't know why. But that is interesting that you very much got the the he's up to no good vibe off of him. I just kept waiting. I was like, don't trust him. Don't trust him. He's setting you up. Well, he's an idiot. Right. Peter like he. Sydney. Sydney's. Yeah. He doesn't pick up after his dog. Right. He's obviously a moron. He's got the <clears throat> station, which it, it certainly that's why people would think you're creepy. And yet he's just like an idiot that you would know in college. Now, yeah. I would have bought it if they'd continued the film and we'd see a year later when Zoe is pregnant and she's talking to Peter and she says, by the way, you know that Sydney can't come over when the baby's born. <laughs> And he's like, why? Because he'll spike the baby, right? That That is a conversation I would believe because Sydney establishes that he's that guy that just doesn't have the normal kind stuff of together. boundaries. Yeah, he doesn't have stuff together. He has a man cave. Right. Which is pretty. It was. It's awesome when you're 20. Yeah. But when you're 30, it starts to look a little sad. A little sad. Okay. I loved the, by the way, I love the set design of the man cave. Oh, that yeah. Was amazing. It's great. And then the sound, there's a moment when Peter is trying to help Zoe, under, Zoe understand the love of Rush. And he mm -hmm. plays a song off of his laptop. Mm -hmm. And the sound design of that, because right. it's this tinny, low volume. Right. It's crappy sound like you would get from a, a laptop. laptop. And what makes that perfect is the whole point is he's trying to put Rush in their best light so she will get it. Now, here's the thing. It works only because we've established she's awkward dork. Yeah. Because a normal person, oh no. You would find some high fidelity. Oh yeah. <laughs> you would drag her into your area and you'd put the expensive, you know, Sennheiser cans on her. Yeah. Or you'd fire up the big speakers. Like yeah. you would go all out. And she would have to sit there for like 15 minutes while you got everything tuned just right. <laughs> right. So I just loved that scene and this and the sound design. They did a yeah. great job. They really did. Giving the quality of, oh, this is just a shit. Right. This is just a song. And they also did when they're jamming in the man cave. Uh -huh. They also, it, it sounds accurately not audio engineered. Yeah. yeah. And I bet they put a lot of effort into making it sound like yeah. they hadn't putting oh, the effort into it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I, I appreciated that. Yeah. Yeah. Well done. All right. Is there anything else that you want to say before we head? forward so just on the writing and i don't mean to be critical but we all have this problem as filmmakers mm -hmm. they refer to what turns out to be a restaurant kukuru oh yes and i was immediately like kukuru. what huh it's it was only in la mm -hmm. don't do that man 
Like your film is going to play everywhere. But the film is set in L.A., but I see what you're saying. Kind of don't have because with <laughs> Southern California privilege that you don't recognize that other people in other parts of the country are without watch. context. We don't know. So, you know, it's McDonald's. People know that was my only thing. I figured it out from context. But yeah, well, so, and I helped you because I had known. Right. But isn't this interesting, though, that it's possible that everybody on the, the film was like, well, yeah, everybody yeah, knows. Yeah, it didn't stand out to anybody because yeah. they all know it. Right. So maybe you need to bring somebody in from <laughs> Iowa. We read the script and tell us yeah. if you don't understand anything. Exactly. I like it. Let's see. Was there any head trauma in this film? There was. Well, I have two two things. One is there's some shin trauma when Haley drives a golf ball into Sydney's shins. Oh. Not quite head trauma. Boy, was that hurtful. That was painful. But then I, I qualify this as head trauma. Lou Frigno uses a rear naked choke on Sydney at one point, chokes him out. That's head trauma. I think it counts. <laughs> Did we have a smoochie? Smoochie, smoochie, smoochie. We did have a smoochie. We, at about three minutes, Zoe and Peter kiss in the car after he proposes. Yeah. Let's see. How about driving review? Okay. So first and foremost, speaking of kissing in the car, do not kiss and drive. No. But especially do not discuss your sex life and drive. Right. Eyes on the road, Peter. That was a very bad example of driving. Children do not duplicate that. The 2006 VW Passat wagon matches Awkward Dork perfectly. Yeah. Right? It just, it really fits in well. I'm sure it's a very cool car, but it, they, they in in this film, it, it acts really dorky. But I'm a little concerned after they go out for tacos and they refer to having had so much to drink that Peter... Calls for a cab. Sydney gets on a scooter and drives away. And and that is not appropriate in my mind to have had that much to drink and to be scootering. That seems even more dangerous than normal. I mean, I guess that's supposed to give us an indication as to how laissez-faire Sydney is with the rules. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's he's uh, up to shenanigans. Yeah. I can't believe you didn't say this because you actually or are, are you about ready to say it? Are you- I doubt it, but please continue. Because one of the things that drives you nuts in movies is when they look away from the road for any more than a second or two. Oh. And Paul Rudd did this quite frequently. Yeah, that was when I said do not kiss and drive and discuss. He's, he's, when he's kissing it, as I, I lean away from the mic, podcast veteran, <laughs> as he's kissing and driving, he's not looking at the road. Then he stares at her for 15 seconds while they discuss their sex life while driving and right. not paying attention to the road. And then... He spends an enormous amount of time looking in the rearview mirror instead of at the windshield. Come on. Right. But then he's looking at all the billboards and as he's driving down the road in the beginning, I remember him looking out. Oh, he's looking at other guys because he's kind of he's looking at like there's two guys running. He sees all the friends. All the bros. He sees all the guys who have friends and he's like, oh, I don't have any friends. Yeah, I think the rear view was to check out the different billboards, right? Oh, okay. But yeah, a lot of Paul Rudd's character not paying attention to the road. Obviously, on one of those the process trailer where they just like bolt the car down and 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 so he didn't have to worry about it. I mean, we're getting a little nitpicky here, but actually, I'm not. That really bumped me. You are correct. (laughs) 
All right. Is did do you conclude it or did I interrupt it? You're driving me. That was a driving review. I did want to mention though, in the spirit of Doug Benson's not for emetophobes, mm-hmm. Peter vomits all over Barry. So if you're the kind of person that has a problem with vomit scenes, be warned. Be warned. Trigger warning. All right. Should we go to the numbers? Let's go to the numbers. Okay. This film had a budget of forty million dollars and they Two almost two and a half times it. They got seventy two million domestically and ninety two point three million worldwide. So it did well. It is one hour and forty five minutes. It is rated R. It's labeled as a comedy romance, a rom com, which I would agree. And let's see, IMDb gave it a seven out of ten. Rotten Tomatoes critics loved it at 83% and audiences not as much, but it's still fresh at 74%. So it is a DreamWorks picture and I would say we liked it. Oh, it's available on Netflix so you can see it for free if you have a subscription. I, I, I do like it. Yeah, that's why we picked it. I was looking forward to getting to watch it again. Yeah. All right, guys, next week we are talking about an old classic for all of you who are in the high blood pressure colonoscopy phase of life. (laughs) Dark. We are going to be talking about Tango and Cash. Oh, I'm so excited. I'm curious to see how it holds up. That's a great question. So am I. All right, everybody. So join us next week when we talk about Sylvester Stallone and Kurt Russell in Tango and Cash. But never forget. Dodges never stop and neither do the movies. Thanks for listening to Dodge Movie Podcast with Christy and Mike Dodge of Dodge Media Productions. To find out more about this podcast and what we do, go to DodgeMediaProductions.com. Subscribe, share, leave a comment, and tell us what we should watch next. Dodges never stop and neither do the movies. 